welcome back to Thrive Subscribe. And I'm excited today that we have a special guest, Dr. Melody Hartzler, who has a specialty in, in uh, integrative and functional medicine. Um, and I also have Suzanne Feeney um, on the line with me as well today, um, because I know CE Impact is doing some work with functional medicine. Suzanne, can you tell us what um, kind of things that uh, CE Impact is doing for functional medicine? Yeah, so I'm excited to to be here today with you, Randy and, and Melody, um, to talk really about functional medicine in our community pharmacy practices. And at CE Impact, we um, offered this month our, our lead CE course, which we launched on the 1st of January, was an introduction to functional medicine. And we've been um, fortunate to partner with Lauren Castle and Melody, who we have on the show today, um, to really leverage their expertise in this area of practice. Um, for us, what we do at CE Impact is each month we'll have a CE course that we launch the first of the month. And then all month long, we're really talking about that particular subject matter and helping our learners connect that to practice. Um, so with, you know, kind of marrying this podcast and with what we're doing at CE Impact and creating learning experiences for our CE subscribers, thought it would be great to bring these two together. Um, and really excited to have the opportunity to talk with Melody today specifically for how um, she can, can help our listeners apply and learn more about functional medicine to integrate that into their practice sites um, and really kind of carve out a different type of niche service uh, for their patients and prescribers. So um, excited to be on today. Thanks, Suzanne. And with that, I'd like to introduce our guest today. Um, it's Dr. Melody Hartzler. Uh, Melody is an associate professor of pharmacy practice at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. She's board certified as an ambulatory care pharmacist, and she's also board certified in advanced diabetes management. Dr. Hartzler's clinical practice involves a collaborative practice at Western Medicine Family Physicians, a private family medicine office in, in Enon, um, Ohio. And Dr. Hetzler has a passion, <clears throat> excuse me, Dr. Hetzler has a passion for integrative and functional medicine and currently blogs at farm2table.life. Melody, welcome today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited about this topic. It's one that I probably have to need, uh, have more understanding about. And so I, I guess the first question I have for you, Melody, is can you define functional medicine for our listeners? Sure. Um, basically, functional medicine is a process and a systems-based approach that helps providers and um, empowers patients to work together to achieve their their health by essentially addressing the underlying cause of disease instead of masking symptoms of disease. And so the greatest example I like to use for functional medicine is IVF. So we have IVF, um, we have patients with symptoms of constipation and diarrhea, and we have um, bloating, abdominal pain, you know, part of the Rome criteria for diagnosing IBS. And if we would do a traditional medicine model, oftentimes those patients would get, um, you know, a medication to stop the diarrhea or a medication to um, help them go for, you know, constipation, but it'd be something that they'd have to take the rest of their life. And it, it probably doesn't alleviate some of those other symptoms that they're experiencing as well. And so in the functional medicine model, we would look at several things. Um, we would look at, you know, what sort of triggers were, you know, food triggers, you know, potentially underlying inflammation. We would do a comprehensive stool test or maybe even a breast test for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And then we um, would identify if the patient had dysbiosis for that imbalance in bacteria and treat that and then reverse um, the symptoms by using antimicrobials if there is um, you know, excess 
unpathogenic bacteria and then, um, you know, heal the gut lining if there is inflammation um, with nutraceutical products. And then um, most of the time the patients, you know, are and fairly symptom-free, you know, afterwards without the need of pharmaceutical medications on a lifelong basis. And so um, there's a lot of discussion and, and functional medicine really focuses on gut health because there's so much discussion right now about the gut and how um, gut health influences other chronic disease states, um, especially when we talk about allergies and autoimmune disease um, and those types of inflammatory conditions. Um, we have a lot of, you know, times where there's an imbalance in the microbiome, even in, um, you know, metabolic conditions like diabetes. I mean, I, like you mentioned, I, I'm born to diabetes. I manage diabetes every day. I do that with pharmaceutical agents as well as with functional medicine approaches. And, you know, a lot of times, I mean, nine times out of 10, my diabetes patients have some kind of dysbiosis or some kind of, um, you know, bowel irregularities. And, you know, if they were all willing to do, you know, the functional medicine process, you know, we might be able to identify it and correct some of those things. Um, not all nine of the 10 patients are willing to pay for the, the testing. So that's where, you know, incorporating functional medicine sometimes into a standard medical model can be challenging because it's unfamiliar. It's sometimes more out-of-pocket costs and um, it's easier sometimes just to take the drugs for people than, you know, to actually make the lifestyle changes and address the diet and, and do some of those things. So, um, so it takes, you know, the patient's effort as well um, to be successful, you know, with this model. But ultimately, the goal, the goal is um, health and not um, just, you know, symptom-free. Um, it's, you know, having a good health and not just the absence of disease. I appreciate that. And I also appreciate how you integrate that into some of your chronic uh, medicine, such as diabetes management as well, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you talked about some of these tests. Can you tell me what some of those tests are? And you said they're not covered traditionally by insurance. So it sounds like it's out of pocket. Um, so what is it? that? Yeah. You do? So, I mean, a functional medicine practitioner can do several, you know, different types of tests. I mean, there's all kinds of you know, things we could talk about probably for days, but the basic ones that we use in our practice, we use a comprehensive stool test. And there's a couple of different companies that we'll use. We'll use Genova Diagnostics. We'll use Diagnostic Solutions Laboratory. Um, and I'm interested in the microbiome um, labs. They have a new stool test that we haven't um, checked out yet. But some of those companies will submit to insurance with, you know, we submit the form with the ICD-10 codes and um, they can, you know, submit that to their insurance. The challenge is it's not all covered and so and it's not covered as much as, you know, your traditional labs are covered on your you know, if someone has a PPO, you know, type plan where they pay like, you know, my kids go get iron drawn and I pay like ten dollars, you know. It's more like, you know, the stool test might cost them, you know, two hundred dollars, maybe two fifty out of pocket, but you know, it is more expensive than that if they went to pay cash. So so that is, you know, higher, but I think for a lot of people that come to us for functional medicine services, they have gone through the standard medical model, you know, and, and I myself, like how I got into functional medicine was going on this journey myself, but I, uh, you know, went to, you know, one doctor and I went to a GI doctor and everyone says you're fine, but you're not fine because you have abdominal pain every day um, and you never had abdominal pain before. And so it's like there's something going on. Um, and so most people are willing to pay $250 to find out what that is, um, you know, if they have the means to do so. And then um, the other thing, you know, other things we've tasked a lot are nutritional deficiencies. And so um, a lot of times, especially even in, you know, 
as we think about pharmacy, it's a great way for community pharmacists to get involved in functional medicine is really just helping their patients address nutritional deficiencies, especially related to prescription drugs. So there's um, several resources. Um, Natural Medicine's Comprehensive Database has a database of drug-induced nutrient depletion. There's a drug-induced nutrient depletion handbook um, that's put out by the LexiComp organization. Um, uh, there's some other, you know, pharmacists that have written books. Um, one's called Nutritional Cost of Drugs and one's called The Drug Muggers. Um, but that one, and then there's also a database called My uh, Taven, T-A-V-I-N, um, that you can look up the nutrients that are depleted by certain prescription agents. And so that's a great way, you know, if patients are interested in being well, like let's have their, you know, if they have to take pharmacotherapy options, um, addressing, I mean, the simplest things we think about are statins and, um, you know, CoQ10. And we think about, um, you know, patients on birth control and depleting B vitamins and, you know, some of those things. And so, um, there's easy ways for pharmacists to sort of get plugged in, even suggesting interior therapy. Um, but testing-wise for nutritional deficiencies, we can use things like the NutriEval, which is a, also tested by Genova Diagnostics. And that one is um, looking, it doesn't actually directly measure your nutrients. What it does is measure the components of the Krebs cycle. So actually the providers get a report. We get a report that literally has the Krebs cycle printed on the paper which is like the first time I was looking at this, I was like, oh my goodness, I should have paid more attention at this. <laughs> you know, remember, we all memorize the Krebs cycle at one point, but um, as I bring that back uh, 10 years later after school, is a little bit challenging. Um, but so digging back into those things is, is part of the functional medicine process and really just seeing like how the energy cycle works. And um, in that report, it will, you know, piece out like what are the nutritional inputs that need to be there to allow this, you know, next process um, and reaction in the cycle to happen. And so then that helps you decide what nutrients you need. So um, it also looks at some toxicity things like, you know, the basic mer mercury, cadmium, like uh, some of those things and how they inhibit certain processes of that energy cycle. And so a lot of times if we're in, and that one also gives us urinary markers for excess bacteria and yeast. So sometimes that's a good starting point because it gives us some nutrition recommendations, but it also um, gives us a clue with our gut and then a clue with their detox um, processes and also looks for the megas. So we use it at that one. We also use one called spectra cell, which is looking at things a little bit differently. It's looking at it through the white blood cells and the amount of nutrients um, found there. And so that one, um, also has an omega check. You can look at their, their omega-3 status, but it looks specifically um, some different nutrients that it's, that it's measuring, like um, chromium and zinc and, and some of those things that are important in diabetes and insulin. So sometimes I'll use that in my insulin patients. And for Medicare patients, I think I can get it covered for about like $88 or something um, like that. So it's a little bit more reasonable um, for some of those uh, situations. But um, that one, you know, both of them looking at the omegas. I mean, if you look at the standard American diet or even a healthy version of the standard American diet, we don't get a lot of omega-3 fatty acids in our diet. And really that nutrient depletion, I think, is is a lot of why we see a lot of inflammatory conditions um, in our patients. And so addressing um, those things, I mean, most people can probably be taking 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams of omegas every day without even testing. Um, but some people may, you know, need more than that, I would say almost you know, 99% of the patients that we've tested on some kind of nutrient 
evaluation are low in omega-3s and they have a higher amount of omega-6s, which are the more inflammatory um, fatty acids. So we use those testing. Um, our nurse practitioner in our clinic has gotten a little bit more into the hormone testing um, with the Dutch test. Um, and then Genova has some hormone testing. I do occasionally test some cortisol um, with my diabetes patients, um, the ones that I'm like, you know, I can't figure out why we're not getting the blood sugars controlled with the therapies we're using. Um, a lot of people that wake up with really elevated fasting, but then the rest of the day, they're, they're not so bad. Um, I think about cortisol in those patients or poor sleep. So, um, so we'll do standard in the standard process of a decamethasone suppression test for those patients. But then if we're still thinking like cortisol is playing a role here, but maybe you're not, you know, diagnostically, you know, hypercortisolism, um, maybe there's some like, you know, modulators that, you know, we can use nutritional wise to like, you know, decrease or improve your resilience essentially to, um, to the stress that they're experiencing causing, you know, blood sugars to elevate. So, so lots of different things that we can use, um, you know, our clinic in particular focuses a lot on the gut and autoimmune and, and, and thyroid testing, but most of the thyroid testing, we can do it standard labs with the antibodies and things like that. So, um, but those are just some of the basics, you know, people could get, I mean, most pharmacists in community, you know, could really get started by utilizing um, either comprehensive stool test or nutritional testing. Well, you brought up a lot of different aspects of things that you're looking at. And this probably is not something that most pharmacists learned when they were in pharmacy school, uh, Melody. Mm-hmm. So the question I have for you is, you know, it, it's something that's important because it's it's treating the whole patient and really looking for the root cause of some of the problems mm-hmm. they might be having. So with that being said, what is it, what's a good way for pharmacists to really start getting gaining entry into functional medicine? And what are some of the things they could probably do right now, but then what would they need to do to get more knowledge or more information about um, become more specialized in this? Sure. So, you know, there's a lot of supplement, direct-to-provider supplement companies that offer some free education, um, which is great. So there's Pharma CE, it's like P-H-A-R-M-A-C-E, um, and that's put out by orthomolecular um, products, but and our partnership with them, and they have some really um, great webinars um, with pharmacists that have been engaged in functional medicine, um, and even non-pharmacists and practitioners on different topics. Um, there is a publication called The Standard, um, and they write actually white papers on these topics, and that's available at the Point Institute um, website. And so those are super helpful because they're very succinct and um, just well-referenced um, articles that are easy to read and go through. So I will use those as readings with my students um, that are interested, you know, that are on a rotation with me that focuses on functional medicine. Um, and they have, you know, one about dysbiosis and gut function and in one, you know, about even cardiometabolic and inflammation, osteoarthritis, there's all kinds of different ones. They have white papers and then they also have some other um, documents on there. So those are great free resources. Other supplement companies have some podcasts. This Designs for Health has a podcast where they bring in speakers. I love the Kara Fitzgerald um, New Frontiers in Functional Medicine podcast. That's my go-to for keeping up to date with new things that I can listen to on my drive. Um, she's an ND, but invites speakers, MDs, PhDs, 
I mean, you name it, people on um, the podcast. I mean, I even listened to one on like bacteria phases one time and which is totally like nothing related to what I'm doing, but I was just like fascinated um, by, by the process, you know, everything they're working on in the lab to create those and, and work on, you know, rescue therapy for some um, resistant bacteria. But so those are good places to start. Um, as far as CE goes, um, one of the reasons I actually started um, the website called functionalmedicineCE.com was because I got a lot of pharmacists asking me like, hey, like I want to do some CE on functional medicine. Where should I go? And I really didn't have a lot of great places to send them because a lot of the functional medicine training programs um, like Institute of Functional Medicine or School of Applied Functional Medicine didn't offer pharmacy CE so they, you know, could go as a, you know, a lot of pharmacists have been through those programs. Um, they could go and learn and those still might be great things to do eventually, but it probably isn't something someone's going to start out doing. Um, they might want to get their feet wet with, you know, some CE first to see if this is really something they could, you know, implement in their practice or, you know, be interested in. Um, so I started the functional medicine CE.com. You can also type in fxmedce.com. And because FX, you know, is a functional abbreviation um, that a lot of people use in the functional medicine community. But so I started that website. We had our first symposium in November. And so there is um, still that on-demand CE available um, from that symposium, which is a great introduction to functional medicine, um, guts and, and immune system and hormone conversations. And then again, we're having um, our next symposium, um, which uh, folks that are listening to this um you know, when it releases, we are going to be doing that in February. So February 29th will be our next symposium. And that is going to be focused on pain and inflammation. And so my goal is going to be to offer three or four symposiums a year that um, pharmacists can just really, you know, it's not a significant cost. They can do it from their house. We're doing it all virtual. Um, and, you know, if they can't join us live that day, they can, you know, do the on-demand portion um, and really just get some quality CE that is functional medicine focused. So that would be another great place to start. Um, and then CEI has, uh, and do you want to talk about your, the functional medicine fee that Lauren has this month available? Yeah, sure. So with CE Impact, um, for our subscribers, you can go to ceimpact.com um, and then you're able to access the course. So we did work with um, Lauren Castle this month and um, I'm just looking, it's in our featured courses section. Um, you would be able to look for the introduction to functional medicine. There's a one hour course that's available for pharmacists and also for pharmacy technicians. And I think Lauren does a really nice job of just going through and kind of giving the high level overview, talking a little bit about the core principles and underlying imbalances and then how you can um, apply some of these tools to a case study. So it's a really nice way to kind of get that in-depth overview. And I think it complements than that symposium, um, Melody, that you talked about that's coming up here in February. Um, another yeah. great way, I think, with, um, and Melody, you could talk a little bit about this, but I know you're doing some ongoing case discussions with us on our Facebook page. So there are a few Facebook Lives um, scheduled the 18th of January and then a couple others coming up um, that are available in um, even on demand afterwards where um, Melody's doing a great job of going through a couple of specific cases. We, we just did one last week um, on allergic rhinitis. Um, I thought there was a ton of valuable information. Um, so those will be there as well for folks who are looking to get a little bit more education. Yeah. 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 So join us on Facebook live and then um, the, 
the Ojikarna one is up there now. If anyone wants to check that out, and and probably by the time this releases, we'll be close to the um, 18th as well. And then if people are interested in, you know, they do some of these basic, you know, CEs, or there's also a pharmacy symposium that is supposedly um, done by George Washington University. Um, and last year, it was early September, but I think this year it's going to be September 18th um, or 19th around that weekend um, in Indianapolis. And so if people want to come and network and meet people that are doing functional medicine pharmacy practice, that's another, it's a live, you know, program that they can come to and connect with other pharmacists across the country that are doing CE um, or doing uh, functional medicine. So lots of ways to get involved. But I think eventually, you know, people are really, you know, serious about it, you know, self-study. I mean, that's, I haven't gone through a certification process. I've taken lots of little courses here and there. Right now I'm working through a um, course through this the School of Applied Functional Medicine on thyroid and adrenals. Um, but, you know, at my current stage in life with two small kids, I haven't been able to commit to um, the full training through ISM or through um, School of Applied Functional Medicine. But I think those are great options if someone's just, a, you know, for sure, you know, I've dived in a little bit, got my feet wet. I feel like this is really something that I want to do. Um, those are two of of the really good options for training. There's also master's degree programs. Um, so Lauren Castle, like Suzanne mentioned, is a pharmacist that went through a nutritional master's program. Um, Laura Zakaria, who's been a speaker and is going to be a speaker again at our next symposium for FXM CE, is um, gone through a master's program that allowed her to get credentials as um, a clinical nutritionist. And so there's different pathways. Um, she was a community pharmacist and um, now does, you know, virtual consulting type things um, as a nutritionist, but with the pharmacist, you know, had as well. So there's lots of different pathways. There's also a Facebook group called um, Functional Medicine Pharmacist that Lauren started um, as part of her launch of a group called the Functional Medicine Pharmacist Alliance. And um, there's going to be some new exciting things going on with membership and that, but the Facebook group, you know, is free and will be free. Um, but there's, you know, over a thousand pharmacists, I think on there and just lots of, you know, networking opportunities, even virtually with people posting questions. And, um, so that's, you know, another place to dive in and, you know, find some people that are in similar practice settings. There's a lot of information there, Melody. And so a question I have for you um, regarding all this, and I think it's great information, um, and my question is for you, you're in a clinic for which sounds like the practitioners have accepted and have integrated functional medicine within uh, their tra traditional practice. That may not be the case for a lot of uh, uh, sure. practices out there. So if you're a pharmacist who wants to incorporate this and then wants to provide information to practices, to physicians, um, how would they do that? I mean, is it something that people would understand or is it something that, you know, you need to provide some education to the other providers as well? Um, so, I mean, the microbiome, the IBS discussion is probably one of the easier discussions to, to bring up because of there's, a, you know, the drugs, rifaximin or zyfaxin is um, commercially available approved for IBSD it's an antibiotic. And so it's, you know, the only commercially available, you know, pharmacological product that's actually addressing the root cause of IBS. So that conversation and the dysbiosis conversation and IBS could be something that I would definitely, you know, start with for, you know, providers that might be skeptical of the process. Um, but I think, you know, 
a lot of times, like when I'm looking for things, I just, you know, go to PubMed or, go, you know, go to your search engine that you're using and, you know, find the references. The standard articles can be great. Like I said, they're short um, providers. You know, you could share those with providers um, on, you know, like, hey, like, is this something that we could implement? I mean, it's going to be different if you're in an ambulatory care setting versus community setting, which I know a lot of listeners are in a community setting. And so in the community setting, I mean, you might not have to have buy-ins of all the providers in the community, but if you need a provider to establish a collaborative practice agreement with or to, to order the stool testing, you know, to be your signatory provider for stool testing, I mean, a lot of this can be done based on your own pharmacist knowledge out of your pharmacy. Um, there's several pharmacists that are across the country doing, um, you know, this kind of work in their, in their community pharmacies. So I think that's, you know, something to think about is finding someone in the community that can be your champion if you are in a community, you know, independent type setting, you have the ability to implement these things. And then, you know, sort of running running with that. And once you have some success stories, you know, showing, you know, locations. I mean, the challenge with studying like anything related to functional medicine, you know, and we actually have a paper coming out in AJHP uh, as a commentary at some point. It was approved for acceptance, but I haven't seen the proof yet. Um, that describes, you know, the basics of functional medicine and things like that. But one of the, as we were writing that, you know, a lot of people are asking, you know, the re- re- uh, reviewers and things like about, you know, what's the evidence of this and things like that. But the challenge with evidence is that evidence is very specific to the disease state. I can do a functional medicine approach to pain and inflammation and I can, you know, put your evidence there. But if I, you know, every single disease state that we're approaching is going to have, you know, different ways of studying that. And even when we do study functional medicine, which the Cleveland Clinic has sort of been a pioneer in doing so, um, they released um, a comparison of their their functional medicine clinic population of patients and their primary care clinic population of patients showing that functional medicine outperformed primary care in several areas and also decreased costs. Um, So that was really, you know, one of the first studies to actually look at the process of functional medicine. Um, So, and that, I believe, is in one of the JAMA um, network articles. And so I can look for the reference for that if you want, if you have show notes um, for the podcast that we can link to. But the basic, you know, different types of things that you're looking at, I mean, when you have a patient come in for functional medicine, we're treating that patient as an N of one. That person is an individual. They have individual biochem, you know, um, genetics. They have individual influences in their life that contributed to, you know, the epigenetic changes you know, things being turned on and turned off, you know, toxicities that they may have experienced difference in another person. And so we're not always treating, like the five people walking to your clinic that day, they may have, you know, similar, somewhat similar presentations, but the treatment may be different because it's individualized to that person's needs. And so that makes it really hard to study in like a randomized control trial type setting. Um, so when, you know, providers are very, you know, evidence-based medicine, which all of us have been drilled evidence-based medicine in school, we do have evidence for this. It's just a different type of evidence. And we're applying, you know, these concepts and, and, and data, you know, a little bit differently to our individual patients versus population health studies, which is most of what we're looking at when with large, you know, randomized controlled trial type evidence. Um, and then, I mean, my other example of that is like, if you're going chiropractic or, you know, OMT type, you know, adjustments, you know, you go in and the goal is for your spine to be aligned or, you know, pain to be relieved and muscle tension to be relieved. And so 
obviously everyone's spine should be, you know, a certain shape, but what yours look like when you come in is going to be different than the other 10 patients that providers seen that day. And so they're not going to do the same maneuver on every single patient because they're, you know, the pieces of the spine that are unaligned are, are different. And so I think that's, you know, a good analogy for the functional medicine piece that we're treating that individual, you know, at the, at the time. And so that individualized approach is really, I mean, it's challenging because in the, in the pharmacy world, we're so focused on population health. We're, you know, that's a huge focus for the government right now and the Medicare plans and the and CPC plus and some of these um, plans is really to how do we manage these high risk populations. But at the same time, like in order to manage those high risk populations, we really have to get down to the individual needs that these folks have, whether that's in a functional medicine fashion or in a, you know, traditional fashion. No, I totally agree with that as well, too. We talk about population health all the time, but it really gets down to the individual patient. So I appreciate that. Um, so, and, and I'm a good example of that when I made a decision um, about a year and a half ago to watch what I eat, you know, eat more whole foods and, and lots of fruits and veggies and, and exercise more. And, and it was amazing. I was able to get off of medicines um, for my blood pressure yeah, because awesome. things were getting better. So that's one of the questions I have for you. Have, do you have data within your clinic where you're able to help people reduce the number of medications because you got to the root cause of their symptoms and now they didn't yeah. need the medicine anymore? I mean, yeah, most of our patients with the GI issues, I mean, they might still be taking like some probiotics or, you know, some um, a few supplements, you know, to, to help keep their bowels moving. And, but you know, most of them are off their prescription medications. I mean, I myself like would have met the REM criteria for IBS and I don't take anything but, you know, probiotics and some people will continue like digestive enzyme type things. Um, but overall, I mean, I think the goal is for our patient, like I said, to be healthy. And so, you know, probiotics obviously have data and influences in the immune system and things like that. And so I'd much rather them be continuing um, something of that nature than continuing a drug that isn't addressing, you know, the cause and we want the, you know, if the gut's healthy, the rest of the body um, is going to be, you know, in a healthier state as well. But as far as like metabolic disease um, from diabetes standpoint, uh, I think it depends on where you intervene with those patients. And so there's a pediatrician um, in Columbus, Ohio, that, you know, says the reason why she does teas with integrative medicine is because uh, you can reverse things very quickly in pediatric patients. Um, their bodies are more resilient and, you know, able to, you know, turn around quickly. Whereas with adults, um, it's not always the same. You know, we have these patients coming in that are in their 40s and 50s. And, you know, we can, if someone was in their 20s, you know, I can reverse their diabetes pretty quickly um, with diet and lifestyle modifications and maybe um, some nutritional, you know, things, supplement type things. But, if we get, you know, someone in their 60s and 70s, you know, reversing that severe insulin resistance and obesity is going to be much more challenging, um, especially if we get into this patient might not be able to exercise, you know, because of, you know, pain or osteoarthritis or, you know, other comorbid things, back pain, it becomes a lot more challenging. So, you know, it, it's going to depend on the patient's ability to make those lifestyle changes and, you know, and obviously diet is maybe easier influence and exercise in some of those other populations. But then when we talk, you know, to patients with financial and, you know, insecurity type things that becomes challenging as well. You know, I, I have this one patient that I just like can't get her A1C under control. And then she comes in and says, 
I've got this great recipe for you. And I was like thinking, great, you know, she finally got this. She's going to share this healthy recipe with me. And then their recipe was like mixing a can of frosting with peanut butter and melt in the microwave to make fudge. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> so I think it sounds you know, good, but it sounds, it sounds unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I was like, oh man, I haven't gotten to her yet. So we're still trying. But um, so yeah, overall, I mean, I think there's, a lot and I don't I'm terrible with the clinical stuff about keeping track of data I'm hoping that maybe um, I do have a residency program now and my last two residents have focused on our our pharmacist involvement in annual wellness visits but I'm hoping that my next one maybe can do a dive into our data on the functional medicine back you know go backwards and look at that and um, you know maybe focus our projects on a retrospective review of our functional medicine population yeah, I think that'd be really interesting to see that information. The last question I have for you, because you brought up, you know, different products that you can make recommendations, and and at our pharmacy, we we do look at uh, repletion and and making sure we get people on the right nutrient, um, if they have a medication that might be depleting that nutrient and stuff. But um, we also are very careful about which products to recommend. So, do you have? Um, is there a way for pharmacists to assess which products might be better than others? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously there's the USP gold, you know, label or whatever for some of the um, the more mainstream ones. But typically, I recommend products that are direct to provider companies um, like Orthomolecular Design for Health, um, Clara Lab, uh, Integrative Therapeutics, there's one called Biotic Research, but all of them have really great, you know, manufacturing standards and also you know we'll show you the data on their product um they've tested it for impurities and things like that and so um they're very you know open with with their processes and so i think you know pharmacists just sort of have to find their the brands that they like i mean not every brand's going to have everything you need when you're treating someone from an individual um approach and so that's one thing that can be challenging is like, okay, well, let's talk to this brand and this brand. There's some wholesalers out there that are um, great. Emerson, Ecologic, um, uh, Fullscript is, is one that can be like direct to patients. And I think they partner with a company called Natural Standard that's the wholesaler. So there's some of those wholesalers, you can get, you know, several different lines through them. So it helps decrease your shipping cost um, and things like that. So if you're stocking them at a pharmacy or at an office, we stock you know, some at our office that we're able to have patients pick up after their appointments. But I think, you know, getting, you know, information from those companies, making sure you feel comfortable with them and they're not all labeled, you know, with the, with the seal or, you know, different things that are probably because of cost, um, you know, not going through that process. And some of them probably well exceed some of the standards that are set forth um, with the USP thing. So, Basically, I, you know, try to find out information about their manufacturing practices um, and then go from there with, you know, whether it's something that we would consider in our pharmacy or not. But it is it is challenging because, you know, you get people bringing in this cheaper version of, of turmeric and I, you know, talk to them about um, Thorn is another product uh, company that we use a lot of. And, you know, it's like, well, this turmeric, you know, if you're taking this and it's just turmeric by itself, it's not going to be absorbed very well. There's limited absorption, so we have to talk about why these other more quality products have, you know, liposomal um, curcumin or it's a black pepper extract that's added to the product to um, increase the absorption. 
so, you know, helping patients understand, like, you know, just because it's in the pill doesn't mean it's getting into your bloodstream and doing the job, um, which is similar to, you know, what we talked about in pharmacy. And so we just have to, you know, know those things as providers and, you know, and, you know, learn about the products that you're, that you're utilizing. But the great thing about a lot of these companies is they have scientists on the team or medical affairs folks on the team, just like the pharmaceutical companies do. So you can call and ask questions and ask for their data and they, they will share it with you. So um, I like having a relationship with the places that we're, you know, recommending. I appreciate that. You gave us a lot of good information on functional medicine, and obviously you have a lot of expertise in this area, so we really appreciate you coming on today, Melody, and, and sharing this information. Uh, Suzanne, do you have anything you would like to add? No, I think um, lots of notes on my end. I, I just think it's such a great topic um, and a lot of great information there at the end, I think, on some of the, the help with getting information on the product. So um, thank you so much for talking with us today, Melody. You're welcome. Yeah. And yeah, hopefully a lot of you can join us on our next symposium in February. Well, thanks, Melody. And I took down lots of notes myself, too. And i am probably be attending that as well. So thank you very much for your time. <laughs> great. Thank you. Yeah, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. The Thrive Subscribe Podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Visit us online at tptransformations.com, where you can join our free community to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your pharmacy practice.